This is a Holding Hands podcast. And welcome to another episode of Always Child Focused Questions. I'm your host, Benjamin Goddard, reporting for duty as always and caffeinated, hopefully. With me is Jackie. Jackie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Jackie, very excited. We've got Michelle back. Last episode was so (laughs) wonderful. We had to have her back, right? (laughs) We did. I'm super, super excited for this episode too. So what are we talking about with Michelle today? I, I can't wait. Okay, so we brought back Michelle Silver, who's a highly experienced FDRP, so that's a family dispute resolution practitioner, Um, and Michelle's going to discuss with us how to keep the child front and centre in the FDR process. Just before we do that, I just want to uh, tell our listeners that uh, Michelle's been on once before, and she's introduced us to the concept of mediation. And so if you haven't listened to that one, you should probably go back and listen to it first before listening to this one, because it's going to make a whole lot more sense. Definitely. Good point. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That's what I'm here for. I'm here for these really clever points and occasional (laughs) stupid questions. So, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. How are you going today? How are you? So, Michelle, tell us, how do you keep the child front and centre in your FDR process? Great question. Jackie, the children are the reason that we do the family mediation. And what I often tell parents is, if you didn't have children... You wouldn't be sitting with us. You are here because you want to ensure, I assume, the best possible outcomes for your children. You want to make sure that you address their best interests in, in, in the mediation and in the way that you parent your children. So what we do is, in the introduction, I always say that as a mediator, I am impartial and neutral to the in, in the space. So I'm not there to side with mum or dad to determine who's the better parent. I'm not there to test evidence. That's not my role. But I am never neutral or impartial when it comes to the best interests of the children. I will be their advocate and their voice. And so we will bring them into the room right at the outset. And we will make sure that everything that we talk about and hopefully any agreements that are made privilege the children. Mm. How do we do that? We make sure, well, I make sure that I um, reference the children. We we refer to the children by name. We don't talk about them as the kids or the children. Mm, I like that. They have a presence and they are felt in the room. I often say to parents, if they are becoming a little heated, just imagine I've put two tiny little chairs in the corner of the room. I want you to imagine that your children are sitting on those chairs and they are watching you. Wow. You think they would be observing. And it sort of pulls them back into that space. The other thing that I often do in the room, in the mediation, is what I call a child's needs exercise. what What I'll do is I'll write up on the board the name of the child and I'll put it in a big heart and I'll say, so this is little whoever it is. Each of you, and it might be that they've come into the mediation and they haven't even looked at each other. They haven't actually even locked eyes. They're kind of looking away for each other. But the minute you talk about their child, it brings them together. It binds them. Mm. And I said, so let's look at this. Put your child's name in. Describe your child to me. I haven't met your child. 
I'm not going to have that quickly. So t- and they will just th- throw off words. I'll say boisterous, charming, cheeky, chatty, adventurous, curious. And I write all these words up on the board. And I go, that's fantastic. I've got a sense of this child. What kind of child do you want? What kind of person do you want your child to become? And they'll say, brave in the world, caring, kind, you know, sensitive, emotionally tuned in, you know, all those kinds of attributes at a child. And then I come with the, the clanger question. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think the two of you could work together to help your child achieve those wonderful outcomes that you have both expressed? What does your child need from you? And there'll be yeah. and they'll go, well, yeah, they'll need us to cooperate. They'll need us to work together. They'll need us to reduce the conflict. They'll need, and so what you start doing is getting the parents to think about their responsibility about meeting their child's needs. And it often then, quite a breakthrough in the sense that they might have come in in their minds with a particular agenda. I want this and I want that. But hopefully what they can then do is start thinking, no, 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 I'm going to change that agenda and think about it's not what I want, but it's about what my child needs. And so their thinking around their agenda might change. Yes, I want a 50-50 care because it's fair. Mm. Who's it fair to? You know, so then they might think, yeah, well, what my child might need is a bit more time to adjust to the separation. So, yes, we can build up to more time arrangements. But for now, let's walk at the pace of the slowest walker. Who's that? The child. So, bring that child's presence into the room, and not mm. only the child is, but what the child needs. And it is that—that that is how I make sure, or I try very hard to bring the parents to think about not so much about the past hurts, but about how they can focus on a collaborative future to produce the best child they can. Mm. Michelle, you—you you mentioned just before that. Um, you know, let's talk about more access, more access or um, later. Is is it the case that you have uh, families that come to you, and they come to you, and then later on down the track they come back to you to readjust the 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 previous agreement, or once they, it's it's more of a once only thing? And that is such a great question. I actually thought about that when I was thinking about today. Yeah. That one of the things that if parents do come up with an agreement at the end of the mediation. If it's just in the mediation space and they don't want it more formalized through lawyers or court, it's what we call a goodwill agreement. Then it's a hand agreement. We sat here, we looked at each other, and this is what we agreed. Right. Okay. And so we've agreed that this is what we're going to put in place. And I always say, for now. Yeah. And what that yeah. means, if you've got a card, you take it in to be serviced. Yes. You take it in for an oil change and, you know, maybe rebalance the tires. Yeah. Yes. Well, we do the same when we when we do mediation as well, right. in the sense is that this is an evolving process. You can't decide when your child is three what they're going to be like when they're 18. Of so course. we often yeah. these are trial arrangements, trial agreements. Let's see how your child adjusts Fantastic. to it come back. So often people will come back after three months and we'll do a tweak. They might come back after a year. 
I've had clients phone me after you and say, I'm embarrassed to tell you, Michelle, we need you again. I go, don't be embarrassed. I think you're giving your child a great gift. Right. That's fantastic. Yes, yeah. that's really granted. And the other question I've got for you too is I know that in commercial mediation, there's a there's like um, a real importance placed on um, sort of redundancies. If this happens, if this parent feels like they agree, in commercial it's obviously different, but um, if this if this parent breaks the, their handshake agreement, we're going to come back or we're going to do this or we're going to say these. Is that the same thing in, in um, family mediation? Is that is is that a part of your initial process? Well, we, we will often say, you know, if, if the agreement doesn't work for whatever reason. Yeah. Whatever reason. And, you know, there can be things. Somebody has to relocate somewhere else or move to the other yeah. side of the city. And so the previous arrangements in terms of, you know, week, weeknight visits are not going to work. You can come back. It's not yeah. a failure. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. none of us were given the handbook on parenting when your children were born. Right. It's a work in progress. And so if you need to come back and reassess and look at things, that's a great gift you are giving your child. Fantastic. Mm, that is absolutely. really um, I wanted to mention something. I, I, I watch the court court appearances occasionally. And um, in recently during a procedural hearing, a judge said to one of the um, parties, have you tried mediation? And they were quite a way through. And, the, and one of the parties' lawyers said, no, we don't think that mediation works in this matter. And this judge got right into them and actually said, I hear that every day to this lawyer, Mr. whatever his name is, I hear that every day and every day I force them to go to mediation and lo and behold, they come back to me and they say, I stand before you embarrassed, it worked. So <laughs> this is actually true. A judge actually said this, and I, yeah. I won't tell his say his name now, but I'll tell you afterwards. And and um, I, I'm wondering from you. I, I thought that was fantastic on the on the judge's yeah. part. What is and that's something that I don't think probably would have would have happened maybe five years ago. Where, where do you see the future of mediation in within this, this family law space going? Like, where's it heading? Like, what part mm. is it taking in the future? Because I'm hoping it's going to be a greater part. Okay, so I think that, that um, to answer your question, just to go back a step, yeah. that the idea of mediation has always been well embedded in the family law space. Sure. And, and often with very complex and, and difficult media uh, matters, the judges sometimes pulling their hair out will say, well, you know, we're going to send this to, me, to mediation. So they, they, they have been aligned with that for, for a long time. But with the amalgamation of the two courts, now yeah. the, the the two courts there is also a um it's also been predicated on the view that matters should be in and out of the court process hopefully within 12 months yeah not the two three and four yeah. years it's dragged on and with yeah. all the, the attendant difficulties that come with that so there is pressure to get matters heard and so you know there are only so many judges and so many registrars and so Part of that thinking as well is to send a lot of the matters, maybe the less contentious matters, the matters that don't really 100% need to be in the court process, yeah. to mediation. Yeah. And so there is a lot more sort of work for mediators in the family relationship centres, in the NGOs, and also in the private mediation space because there is a real sort of um, sense and a promotion of the idea more almost of mediation because 
of this idea of trying to actually bring matters to resolution much quicker. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and, and in a much healthier way. And yeah. if it can be resolved in mediation, they're winners all round. It That's relieves so the true. process. The parents are winners, but the real big winners. Yeah, that, that's actually so true. That yeah. you know, we said this in the last episode. If 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 they come to a resolution and mediation, there's winners all around. If they yeah. come to if if a judge is forced to make final orders, there's losers all around. So yeah. everybody's taken the loss. So you know, this is such an important part of the family law process and the separation yes. process. Yes. If you were to give one piece of advice to parents going through FDR, what would that be? That's a really great question. I would say that if the parents can think about ways that they themselves can reduce the conflict and consequently often the, the, the difficult lived experiences for their children, mm. that is something to really focus on. Yeah. I often also say, you know, but often the response to that will be, yeah, I try really hard, but the other parent is just hopeless, terrible, won't greet me at changeovers, you know, really just won't respond to my emails. And what I say is what children need, what children need is available loving parents and hopefully parents that are not overwhelmed by conflict. If you yourself mm. can step out of the conflict, you can't fix or change the other parent focused on yourself if yes. you can just decide i don't want to be dealing in with that conflict any longer i'm going to work on myself to sort of not be that person and i can be emotionally available for my children then that's good children just need one protective parent mm. i love that that's yeah. so valuable thank you so much michelle thank you so much michelle for that, that was another great episode, and we're very fortunate to have you on for a second time. So thank you. And thank you, Jackie, for joining me again on this episode of Always Child Focus. Well, that's it. That's another episode done. Uh, for those who want more information about Michelle, please go to our website, www.holding-hands.com.au. Go up to the top to our blog, Always Child Focused, and you can find more information about Michelle and the fantastic work she does in our blog posts about this particular episode and the last one she did previously. Other than that, we look forward to your company again shortly. Bye for now. You've been listening to Always Child Focus, a podcast by Holding Hands. Holding Hands would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, sky and waterways where we are able to learn. 